We're continuing in the book of Acts, and welcome to those of you who are joining us online as well. Continuing in the book of Acts, we're in chapter 23, and this morning I'd like us to look at the first 11 verses. Acts 23, 11 verses. If you have a Bible, you can open it to the passage. If not, you can listen to the reading of these verses. Luke records for us, Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, My brothers, I have fulfilled my duty to God in all good conscience to this day. At this the high priest Ananias ordered those standing near Paul to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. You sit there to judge me according to the law, yet you yourself violate the law by commanding that I be struck. Those who were standing near, Paul said, how dare you insult God's high priest? Paul replied, brothers, I did not realize that he was the high priest, for it is written, do not speak evil about the ruler of your, of your people. Then Paul, knowing that some of them were Sadducees and others Pharisees, called out in the Sanhedrin, My brothers, I am a Pharisee descended from the Pharisees. I stand on trial because of the hope of the resurrection from the dead. When he said this, a dispute broke out between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. The Sadducees say that there is no resurrection and that there are no angels nor spirits. But the Pharisees believe all these things. There was a great uproar. And some of the teachers of the law who were Pharisees stood up and argued vigorously. We find nothing wrong with this man, they said. What if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him? The dispute became so violent that the commander was afraid Paul would be torn to pieces by them. He ordered the troops to go down and take him away from them by force and bring him into the barracks. The following night, the Lord stood near to Paul and said, Take courage. You have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify about me in Rome. May God bless our time around this portion of Scripture. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we seek your Spirit to make the Word alive to us again this morning. And so I ask, Spirit of the living God, fall upon us and speak to preacher and hearer alike. And may we hear something of you speaking to us through your word this morning, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Paul is indeed an amazing character. Yes, he had his weaknesses like us all, and we saw something of that last week. Nevertheless, he was undoubtedly a man of great courage, someone full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and this passage is proof for us. Despite having compromised in chapter 21, yet he picks himself up and stands firm for gospel truth, even to the point of being flogged for the sake 
of the gospel. And here in chapter 23, we have him standing before the Jewish Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin, of course, were the ruthless aristocratic rulers of Judaism. They are in opposition to the gospel that the Apostle Paul is preaching. And their opposition is such that Ananias the high priest orders him to be stricken on the mouth. In other words, Ananias the high priest says, punch him. That's some opposition, isn't it? Can you imagine the Archbishop of Canterbury telling one of his vicars, punch him, go ahead, punch him, when dealing with someone who has some theological differences to him. These were not easy days to be Christians. And we sometimes mourn today about the lack of respect for Christians in today's society. But compared with Paul and his comrades, listen guys, we're having an easy ride. As we look at Paul and his comrades during this antagonistic and even life-threatening period in church history, there are three lessons we can learn from this incident recorded for us by Luke in these first 11 chapters, 11 verses rather, of chapter 23. And the three things I want to highlight this morning are these. The first is this. We learn from Paul here that as Christians, we must honor those who have authority over us even when we disagree with their actions. Listen to what Luke records in verses 2 through to 5. At this, the high priest Ananias ordered that those standing near Paul was to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. You sit here to judge me according to the law, yet you yourself violate the law by commanding that I be struck. Those who were standing near Paul said, How dare you insult God's high priest? Paul replied, Brothers, I did not realize that he was the high priest, for it is written, do not speak evil about the ruler of your people. Paul reacted to being punched by addressing Ananias as a whitewashed wall. And when he was made aware that he was addressing a high priest, he immediately apologized, saying, Brothers, I did not realize that he was the high priest, for it is written, do not speak evil about the ruler of your people. And of course, Paul, being a learned man who had sat at the feet of the great uh, uh, teacher of his day, Gamaliel, was well versed in the scripture. And here, of course, he quotes from the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 22 and verse 28, which reads, do not speak evil about the ruler of your people. And on this particular verse, Barnes, in his commentary, reminds us that 
this passage had not any special reference to the high priest, but it inculcated that, that general spirit of respect for those in office, whatever that office was. And as the office of a high priest was one of importance and authority, Paul declares here that he would not be guilty of showing disrespect for it or using reproachful language in regard to it. Like it or not, as Christians, we have the same responsibility in 2021 to honor those who rule over us, whether we like them or not, or whether we're in disagreement with them, providing that they don't request us to break the law of God. It is a biblical principle that we all must respect those who have authority over us. We may not have liked or even agreed with all the restrictions imposed upon us during this pandemic. However, as Christians, we should abide by the rules and respect those in authority over us. You see, if I'm honest with you, I find it absolutely crazy that on a Friday night I could go into a crowded nightclub with everybody with their guards down as a result of being somewhat tipsy by drink, and yet I don't need to wear a mask. I find it crazy. And yet when I come into church on a Sunday to a room with adequate ventilation, room for social distancing, the government insists that I wear a mask. For me personally, it doesn't make any sense at all. Nevertheless, I'm a Bible-believing Christian. And because I'm a Bible-believing Christian, I therefore, like Paul, honor those in authority over me, even when at times I question their thinking. Do not speak evil about the ruler or rulers of your people. No deep theology here. Nevertheless, sound biblical advice. And may God help us to exercise grace and be doers of the word and not hearers only, as James points out to us in his epistle. So that's the first thing I see here. We learn from Paul here that as Christians, we must honor those who have authority over us even when we disagree with their actions. The second thing I would note from here is this. We learn from Paul here that the spirit of wisdom always wins over the spirit of aggression. Having been punched in the face... One could well understand if Paul reacted with some aggression to his ill-treatment at the hands of the religious leaders. However, the spirit of wisdom prevails. Paul knew the theological disagreements among the rulers between the group of Sadducees and the group of Pharisees and listen to how he responds. 
My brothers, I am a Pharisee, descendant of the Pharisees. I stand on trial because of the hope of the resurrection from the dead. When he said this, a dispute broke out between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. You see, Paul knew. There's two groups here. One who believe in the resurrection from the dead, and another who dispute it. And what is a Christian gospel? A Christ crucified and who rose in triumph on the third day. And so he throws a spanner into the works. There's wisdom here, a word of wisdom. And doesn't Jesus say in Matthew 10 and 16, be as shrewd as snakes and as harmless as doves? Rather than responding with inflammatory words of aggression against their disbelief in a crucified Messiah and his resurrection, he turns their opposition to his preaching of a risen Jesus to an argument among them. I don't know about you, but I'm praying this morning, Lord, help me. To learn from Paul's wisdom here. How often have we, how often have I reacted to criticism with a spirit of aggression rather than pause and speak and seek a word of wisdom from the Holy Spirit? I don't know about you. And I'll hear Ruth saying an amen here. I am more prone to be like impulsive Peter than wise old Paul. I very often react before thinking and make things worse for myself. Am I the only one here? Or do I see a hand going up somewhere? Sometimes, you see, we can bring opposition upon ourselves because of our aggressive response. We can say sometimes the right thing. But if it's not in the right spirit and at the right time, we have failed. Why is old Solomon in Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 3 has this advice for us? Those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. I'm sure I'm not the only one who can testify to the truth of this verse. Yes, sometimes speaking up is needed, even commanded. But oftentimes... The wisest thing we can do is to bite our tongue as Paul did here and seek a word of wisdom. Some questions we can ask ourselves before answering our opponents are these. And I'm speaking to myself as much as I'm speaking, if not more, to you as a congregation. First, could these words hurt the person I'm talking to? Second, could these words damage my testimony? 
And thirdly, could these words make me look just as foolish as the foolish person I'm answering? Jesus went as far as to say that we should love our enemies. And Paul says that some of the qualities of love are, and I quote, love, he says, is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong. And when we face opposition and criticism because of our Christian faith, let us with Paul seek wisdom so that we might respond not with aggression and bring problems, more problems upon ourselves, but let us seek the wisdom of God. And sometimes we will be amazed, like Paul, at some thoughts that God may drop into our minds. When in that moment, rather than reacting, we say a quick prayer and bite our tongue. And then the third thing from this passage I see is this. We learn from Paul here that God always commends those who are truthful to gospel, who are faithful rather, to gospel truth. God always commends those who are faithful to gospel truth. Look at verse 11. The following night the Lord stood near Paul and said, take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. You see, Paul bore a testimony of Jesus that he was the true Messiah, that though he died, he was risen from the dead and he was seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty and that he was the only Savior of men and women. God commended him. And there is nothing more encouraging for you and me as a Christian than to know God's commendation. Because of his faithfulness to gospel truth, God entrusted him to bear witness also in Rome. As he had borne a public and faithful witness to the person, office, and grace of Christ in Jerusalem, the, the, the metropolis of Judea, so it was necessary by the decree of God and for the glory of Christ that he should bear a like testimony in Rome, the chief city of the whole world of his day. And Paul gets to go to Rome because of his faithfulness to gospel truth. I'm sure we all want to hear those words of commendation one day, well done, good and faithful servant. Let us therefore, like Paul, be faithful to gospel truth. Is he a calling and our duty as children of the light 
is to make sure that we shine the light of the gospel in this dark world that we find ourselves in. But before I go and point out to you what gospel truth is, let me make two important statements. First of all, believe the gospel for yourself. Don't promote a God who isn't precious to you. Those who are faithful to gospel truth are sincere Christians who help others to discover their God. And if for some reason you're here this morning or listening at home and you're not a believer, then can I encourage you? Believe the gospel for yourself so that you too can be faithful to gospel truth. And the second thing is this. Live like a Christian. Why should anyone ask you about the hope that you have if they can't see it? Christians must consistently live according to the gospel. Even when our failures drive us to repentance and deeper trust in Jesus so that our neighbors can see our godly living. May we win others for Christ because we let our light so shine before men so that they might see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. You see, you can't evangelize if you're not walking with the Lord. Be being faithful to gospel truth means that we share the good news of the gospel by both our words and our lives. We should sing a chorus many years ago, Life of Jesus shining through giving glory back to you. Being true to gospel truth isn't the promotion of a particular culture, but rather an announcement of a clear message about Jesus. Don't mistake the gospel for denominational or church tradition, for conservative values, for political affiliations, or common decency. Don't confuse the gospel, even with the Bible in general. The gospel is the message that Jesus Christ died to save all who believe in him. And this morning, let me remind you, Jesus Christ has died for you. And you can know salvation. You can know the joys of sins forgiven. You can have that assurance of heaven this morning if you but believe this wonderful news of the gospel. And what is the gospel? If we share the gospel, if we are true to gospel truth, what is it that we share? Well, will uh, Medzer explains being true to a gospel presentation simply requires Christians to elaborate on four familiar words. And the four familiar words are these. 
The first is God. We tell people that God is creator, that he is holy, and that he will, he will hold people accountable for their ungodliness. The second word is people. God made people good like him. But sin separates us from God and therefore subjects us to punishment. The third word is Christ. Christ is the God-man. He came to do the works that people, sorry, he came to do the works that please God for people who can't. And the fourth word he says is faith. Faith is our response to the gospel. Faith is how Christ's righteousness becomes our own. And so therefore, this morning, I want to be faithful, rather, to gospel truth. I want to stand for God, who is holy and who is righteous. I want to remind people that they were created in the image of God. However, they have sinned. But the good news is Christ. He came into the world to do for men and women what they couldn't do for themselves. Atone for sin. And how did he do that? He did it by dying the most horrific death of all on the cross so that men by believing in him can have salvation. And then I want to be true in proclaiming faith. It's not by works of righteousness. It's by faith. For by grace are ye saved through faith that not of yourselves, says Paul. It is the gift of God, of God. And I want to invite men and women to put their faith in the finished work of Christ. In who the Bible says Jesus is and what he has done so that they can join me on that road, on that pathway that leads to heaven. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And this is exactly what Paul did throughout his ministry. And as a result of his faithfulness to gospel truth, he enjoyed God's approval and commendation. You see, so committed was Paul to gospel truth that he told the believers at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 9 and 16, he said, yet preaching the good news is something I can't boast about. I am compelled by God to do it. How terrible for me if I didn't preach the good news. In one sense, he says, my conscience would reproach me. My judgment would condemn me. My heart would pain me. How terrible, he says, for me if I don't preach the good news. Friends, listen. Christians believe God has spoken clearly unmistakably, uniquely in the person of Jesus Christ. We believe the story of the universe only makes sense when Jesus is at the center 
of it. Thank God this morning for gospel truth, and God challenges you and me to be faithful to gospel truth. In God's gracious economy, He has chosen to convey this glorious message. How? Through you and me. Listen to Paul in Romans 10, 14 to 17. He says, How can they call on the one whom they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, says Paul, faith comes through hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of God. Christ. So how is your neighbor, how can your friend, how can your classmate, how can your, your roommate in, in university hear the gospel? Well, faith comes by hearing. And how is he or she going to hear? Because you're going to share the gospel with them in word and in lifestyle. Let us be true to gospel truth. And proclaim it in word and deed. As Vernon Hyam reminds us in his great hymn, Great, he said, is the gospel of our glorious God. Where mercy met the anger of God's rod. A penalty was paid and pardon bought. And sinners lost at last to him were brought. Oh, let the praises of my heart be thine. For Christ has died that I might call him mine that I might sing with those who dwell above, adoring, praising Jesus, King of love. Friends, let us learn from Paul in persecution and emulate him from this passage as we journey through life in this ever-increasing secular society that we find ourselves in. Let us as 2021 Christians, honor those who have authority over us, even when we disagree with their actions. Let us apply the spirit of wisdom over the spirit of aggression when engaging with those who oppose our message. And thirdly, let us always be faithful to gospel truth so that we too can enjoy the commendation of God. Thanks for listening. God bless you.